Hey everyone, we are talking about one of my favorite Tommy Thompson topics today. <laughs> this is your superpower and what I really need to hear. So the topic for today is how to deal with distraction and we're going to go through six elements and really just hear some of your ideas and thoughts about practical ways that we can deal with distraction in our life. So let's start first with element one, which is we're going to do a quick assessment, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, this topic kind of came out of just a discussion with Weezy and I, and she was reading a book, I believe by Richard Foster, and he said something, I'm not quoting it exactly, but distraction is the number one malady of our time. Hmm. And, and it caught her ear and mine, particularly realizing he probably wrote that pre-iPhone. Right. So it's always been a problem. Yeah. It, it's it, And it's just accelerated mm -hmm. massively. So uh, she said, you ought to do a podcast on how to deal with distraction. I went, you're right. I should. Right. So I, I want to do a, a deep dive into this. So element one is that I think it would be helpful for all of us to do just a quick thought assessment of the degree to which distraction is a problem in our life. And when I use the word distraction, I'm, I'm using it in the broadest sense. That is not just the degree to which we're, you know, stuck on our phones. That's obviously a big issue for a whole lot of people, but also the degree to which we can't keep our minds focused, mm -hmm. uh, that we live lives that just jump around. And so there can be all sorts of different things that may distract us. It might not be our phones. It could be our computers. It could be uh, YouTube. Uh, it could just be our practices where we just feel like, you know, we, we can never keep one thought for more than one second in our life. So from that angle, the broadest way that we might possibly think about distraction, what's the number one to 10 of the degree to which distraction is a problem in your life? So I've got a number in my head. Okay. I, I mean, I've got a number. I, I think, I think there's, my iPhone distraction, which is sort of pervasive. But I also think there are preoccupations. <laughs> so there's sort of these flitty, annoying distractions that have minimized my attention span so that I don't, I can't read as well as I used to be able to do. But then I think there's energy draining preoccupations. And um, I'm going to conflate the two of those and give myself an eight. An eight. Okay. Eight being eight, like 10 is the worst in terms yeah. of distractions. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, eight. why do you think I yeah. work with you, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, you, there are probably a lot of high numbers with regards to this. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think I'm probably a five okay. on this, but it's only because I constantly work on this. Right. I also constantly fail at this, which is why it's with all of the effort and everything, it's no better than a than a five. So I continually, even just in the last few days, I'm aware of different places that uh, I'm just not doing very well on it. So mm -hmm. I, it's a it's a five, which you know is probably better than some people, but it's nothing to brag about. 
Well, okay. So it's great to do a little assessment about, I think all of us are distracted by our phones, um, but also asking kind of some of one of the other ways that we tend to get distracted. And, and, you know, sometimes there's a place for distraction, like I, a contained space where it's nice to just let your mind be distracted, um, whether it's on your phone or Netflix or whatever. But what we're going to talk about today is how not to have that distraction really take over your life. Um, yeah. And I think all of us feel this to a certain extent. So let's move on to the second element where we yeah. talk about the foundation of distraction. Yeah. And this foundation is, is, is what is our perspective? What is our mindset with regards to uh, distraction. And I think this is very helpful because the most, the easiest place and the place that everyone goes when it com comes to distraction is to demonize it. Distraction is just right. the problem. We're all distracted. It's just terrible. Our whole society is bad. I'm bad. Everything is bad. And so the first foundation I would like to lay with this is that distraction is not always bad. Hmm. Distraction is can be a very positive thing, a very healthy thing when it's in the right place. I think of when Wheezy and I were going through kind of uh, some of the worst years of, of parent, our daughter's cancer. Distraction was an absolute necessity because we were so consumed with the hard things of life that very often we said, I just need to change the subject. Mm -hmm. I just need a distraction, something that's going to help get my mind off of things. And distraction was incredibly useful for us during those times. So there are times when we give great intensity to something that a distraction a change of subject in that sense on the other end of it is very helpful it's a way a way of resting and recovering that can be okay in its place in the right form so to think of all distraction as bad i think is doesn't do anybody any good because we all need chains of subjects. We all need ways of uh, recovering from times of intensity. So distraction, the first thing I would want to say is distraction is not all bad. I appreciate that. I, I can see that when you need a distraction, because life is so hard, it needs to be highly distracting. Like it needs to be very entertaining. And yeah. I know what you mean. Like I've had some seasons where I'm, I'm like, I need to completely get this out of my head and I can't get it out of my head. So I really need a highly entertaining show or I need an easy to read beach read book, something like that. So I, yeah. I appreciate that you say that not all distraction is bad. And to a certain extent, we all need a little bit yeah. of distraction to kind of come down off of life. Exactly. Even pulling our iPhone and pulling up social media, that's, that's sometimes, gosh, it's delightful. Yeah, we, so we have to admit that. So right. that's not a bad thing. The major distinction that I want to say is there is a difference between what I call chronic distraction and acute distraction. So this is kind of terms that I really learned more of the meaning of in the health realm, that uh, chronic stress, for instance, mm -hmm. that is stress that is pervasive, that never stops, can kill us. Acute stress, like the kind of stress that we get when we lift weights, can be incredibly powerful, can be strengthening for us when we push ourselves. The difference being acute, that it is in 
the right time and in the right portions. Hmm. Chronic being, I am never without. So if you apply that to the area of distraction, now we've got something that's really useful. Because the problem is not that we're distracted. The problem is that we're never not distracted, that it, it becomes a chronic thing, something that every two minutes we're pulling out our iPhone, that we can never be without, and that we're constantly battling, and that distraction is eating into focus, and it's eating into purpose, and it's it's choking relationships. It's the chronic nature of distraction that has become so problematic in so many of our lives. It's the fact that, you know, we go to a restaurant and we're looking at a family having dinner at the next table and every single one of them is looking down at their phone. We all fall into that. But it's it's not the distraction in of itself. It's the chronic, pervasive, never-ending nature of distraction, which is killing us and killing our relationships. Okay, I like this. So we have talked about how distraction can be a really positive and good thing. So how do we, how do we take chronic distraction, which really erodes our productivity, our happiness, really probably our like our brain attention span, our our stress levels, I think even. How do we take chronic distraction and turn it into acute distraction? Yeah. And you mentioned two things. You mentioned time and place. Time time and place. So we need to find a acute a, a smaller time and a smaller place for distraction rather than having it be all the time and everywhere. Yes, and I th I think even prior to uh time and place cuz time and place I think can be a great uh antidote to it. I would introduce what I've called and I've got a, a former uh podcast that we did that talked about this in some depth. Uh, what I call the law of proximity. Okay, so we're on the third element with distraction. Yeah. We're talking about the law of proximity. Yeah, which is a law that both is part of the problem that makes distraction chronic, and it's also a way out of it to change it. Okay. So the law of proximity says that which is closest to us gets our most attention. That which is close to us gets our most attention. What that means, let's put that into practical terms, is what physically is closer to us than anything else in our lives? Our phone. Yeah. It's in our pockets. We keep it on us all the time. It's why it is so easy to be distracted by our phones because it's always with us. It's always close to us. We can pull it out at the first moment that there's the possibility that we can be distracted. Mm -hmm. And that proximity that distractions have in our life is what turns acute distraction into chronic mm -hmm. distraction. A change. You had computers when they first came along. All you had was desktop computers. Its proximity was fixed 
to only when we happened to be close to it. As soon as we walked away from it, it couldn't distract us. Mm -hmm. Then you had laptop computers. Okay, now we can take our laptop computers with us. Then you had uh, tablets that actually came after it. But what changed the whole conversation is when the laptop computers became computers in our pocket. Right. It changed everything. So that law of proximity works tremendously against us when it comes to distraction. So how do we deal with this? We remove the proximity in very calculated, intentional ways. And there are other people, this, this is not you know unique to me in terms of ideas, but I just wanna make it real practical as to why this stuff is so important. Because if we keep our iPhones right next to our body all of the time, 24 seven, our chances of overcoming distraction is minuscule. Hmm. And that's what most people do. They sleep next to their phones. They have it physically on their body 24 seven. I have to sleep with my phone next to me because I have college students. <laughs> so I think if they need to get a hold of me in the middle of the night, I want to have my phone next to me. However, I think your law of proximity is super accurate. And so I've been looking for other ways to have it off my body. And I have been remembering back to my teen years in the 80s when I was in middle school, and I spent a ton of time on those phones with the cords, but the phone was always docked to the wall. So I was like, you know what, at the most social time in my life where I would talk on the phone for hours in the middle of the night, I could do it, but my phone was docked. So lately what I've been trying is just to dock it, like it, yep. like not have it in my pocket, but to dock it in my house somewhere. And right. I can always go check it, but I probably pick it up 50% less if it's not on my person. But I'm not cutting myself off from any important communication. I'm not falling behind. I'm not, not missing the text about the, something I need to do. The iPhone, because this is such a pervasive problem, has created tools to help you with the very problem that you said. So you can set up your phone so that the only thing that can come into it is text from X person, X person, and X person. So you can have it because you have to have it for your college age and teenage yeah. kids right by you, knowing that no other text from anybody else is going to come in, no notifications are going to come in, that it is only becomes an emergency vehicle for if your college kids. You just set up your phone that way. So you put it on do not disturb with the exception of these contacts. With these contacts. Yeah. And all of a sudden that problem goes away. So there are all sorts of, of hacks that are forms of dealing with the law of proximity to keeping it in its right place. But I love, uh, that's not to say that, you know, that yeah. idea of, um, you know, where you dock your phone, like at nighttime, we had lots of years like what you're talking about, but now I dock my phone in my closet, uh, yeah. so I don't have to deal with that. Uh, I think I think a real simple one is to make your own little rules. Things like, you know what? Our family will not bring our phones to the dinner table or to a meal table. It's so, it's so easy to do. Yeah, it's guaranteed to get people yelling at you mm -hmm. when you do that, but how are we going to do this if we don't get it away from us at certain times of the day. 
And I know, you know, our friends may say, well, gosh, you know, I, I texted you an hour ago and you haven't, you know, gotten back with me, but they can deal with it. Well, I find too, to make these changes that are so systemic because they're just, they're these habits. I almost need to have some distance from my daily life to even have the energy to see it and make a change. Like I just went away for 24 hours, literally 24 hours. And um, so I didn't need to be tied to my phone because I didn't need to be picking up information about things. And in that 24 hours, I was able to have enough distance to look at my life to think, okay, I'm going to try this technique with not being distracted from with my phone. But I, if I was in the middle of my life and in the middle of being distracted, I wouldn't have the energy or the the space to even make that assessment. Well, see, what you've done is you've turned the law of proximity in your favor. And, mm. and that is another great practical application. That is, decide what you want to be close to, mm -hmm. what you want to give your attention to. So what you said is what I want to give my attention to is this place this experience. And all of a sudden it, it untethered you yeah. from something that was not what you wanted. So, you know, a, a practice that I've been starting to institute that is, you know, a really great little practice is morning sunlight going out on my back deck first thing in the morning when the sun comes up and just standing out there and breathing. I do a little stretching exercise, but it's just, taking that law of proximity and not just looking at it in the negative of what do I want to get away from, but what do I want to go to? Hmm. And that's exactly what you did. And that's a powerful practice of the law of proximity, but it's a way of turning a little bit chronic distraction into acute distraction, mm -hmm. going to something and away from something. So it's a great, great example of it. Okay, I love that. So you've got the law of proximity is moving away physically from distractions, not having our phones on her person. Um, but you also talk about having undistracted times and undistracted places. Tell me more about that. Yes, and both of these are uh, angles of the law of proximity. So you have particular times that you allocate that you say, I am going to move away from the very things that distract me. So Wheezy has artist days, you know? And so during those days, she wouldn't have artist days if her phone was sitting right next to her. Mm -hmm. But she has these blocks of time that she says, this is what I want this time to be. And these are, these are what I am choosing to have an undistracted time period. And it would be good for all of us, I think, to have certain periods throughout the week as regular practices where we say, you know, this is my undistracted time. So we use time as the bookends to mm -hmm. handle and to turn chronic distraction into acute distraction. We can do the same thing with places. I know of, of one family that I was talking to that created a no tech zone. And they simply said, this little place in our home, whenever someone is here, we can't distract them. Hmm. Phones don't go there. We don't, you know, that's their time. That's their place. It's again, just a practical way of taking 
chronic distraction, the fact that we're never away from distraction and saying, you know, in this one place, it might be the dinner table or breakfast table. It could be the bed. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, um, I like to take a, a bath or whatever. It could be mm-hmm. any number of things, but in this place or at this time, it's a no distraction zone, yeah, both for me mentally and for those around me. And I think that it's in a sense really simple, mm-hmm. but it's hard to do. And it shows the claws that distraction has in us. But that's this is the real path. And all of a sudden you, you think about what, you know, your time away and was it delightful? Sure. I mean, it was great. It's yeah. so good. This is what we really want. Yeah. You know, so this distraction is not giving us life when it's chronic like that. So yeah, this is what we need to do. And it's actually very simple, mm-hmm. hard to choose, but very simple. So, you know, getting away from the things that clearly distract us and finding times and places that are no distraction zones is a great first big step Mm -hmm. towards dealing with distraction. Um, So the fourth element is that you talk about practicing focus, which I think it's good because one of the, the problems in getting motivated to do this is that we haven't really tasted and experienced how good it is to not be distracted. And I think there are all these studies done about how it's really hard even when you're told something's bad for you to stop doing it, but it's a lot easier to do it if you've experienced and tasted the goodness of what it's like without that bad habit. Right. And and so how can we experience the joy of not being distracted? What are some things we can do? Well, most of us have areas where we really need to give focus. It might be work. It might be, you know, other particular tasks. We also have areas that we really deeply desire to give focus Mm -hmm. to, but we can't get to them usually because of distractions. So I think the, the thing is to exercise focus muscles. And when we exercise focus muscles, the first thing to realize is that we will probably be sore when we begin to exercise focus muscles. So the first thing that I think will happen for many people, that certainly happened for me, is when I made the decision I want to give really clear, undivided attention and focus to something, it made me acutely aware of how distracted I am. So I was sitting there, you know, trying to get focus and my mind's going this direction, this direction. And I realized I have no focus muscles. Mm. So you keep on doing it. And so for some people, you might be able to find things that really bring you joy, like art or nature or things like that, that will make it very easy for you to exercise focus muscles. Other things might be hard, but we simply practice it. Yeah, We practice and we exercise it. And this time, we might not have a whole lot of success with it. But if we do it then the next time, it'll be a little bit better. And then we'll start to experience that joy and that sense of uh, purpose 
and achievement when we can give uh, distraction. Uh, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, is phenomenal on this front. So lots of different things. Well, and then this brings us to the next point where you say do a distraction experiment, which I really like because we're so overwhelmed with all these suggestions about how to eliminate, you know, how much our iPhone invades our life or how much our distraction invades our life. And we sort of build it up like I'm going to do this huge thing or I'm going to do this huge change. But I like how you say, like, just do an experiment, like one day, just do a distraction experiment where you put your phone away or leave your phone in the car for a couple hours, you know, various things or dock it or. Yeah. And I think a distraction experiment, particularly because distraction is so difficult, may need to take a little bit longer. We may have to say, okay, I'm going to try something for a week. Okay. And I want to see how, what it feels like. Is it helping me? Is it, is it solving any problems for me? So it might be the experiment of uh, turning on the do not disturb, you know, uh, with your friends. Uh, It might be, okay, I'm going to dock the phone at this time. Maybe we'll try for a week having meals with no phones allowed or something like that. But try some experiment that is a step in the right direction. And this also kind of deals with the guilt that we have about this. Mm-hmm. It's We're just trying something. It's mm-hmm. just an experiment. What happens if we try this? One week, it's not going to kill us. At the end of the week, we can go back to our ways if that's what we choose and decide to do. Or we might say, hmm, this is good. Let me see if I can add something to it. Step-by-step, we practice dealing with distraction. Okay, that's great. And then you finish with saying that our goal, and I appreciate this, is not to not be distracted. It's just to put distraction in its proper place. Exactly. And in that way, it's kind of fun. Like you can look forward to it. Like distraction is a fun thing. I mean, I have some great Instagram accounts I follow. They make me laugh out loud. I learn all these different hacks for doing things I want to do. But- if it permeates my day, then I start to resent it. Whereas, like you say, if you if you transfer it from chronic to acute distraction, then you can appreciate it for what it is. Turn it into a game. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is a tough thing. We all deal with it. Sure. Um, it doesn't need to be a guilt thing. It's, it's a struggle for all of us. But turn it into a game. Can I find some ways to kind of, move it into its proper place, as you say. And, you know, there are all sorts of tech hacks to it. There are all sorts of little practical things that we can do and say, you know, I'm going to create, you know, that couch over there. That's my safe place away from it. You know, turn it into something fun and make some little steps. And all of a sudden you'll find that brings you life it brings a little bit more health into your relationships, into your productivity and everything. And then just keep on. Maybe I'll try this this time. And you just keep on making these little steps. And then you, I'm going to try this experiment with focus. You know, make it fun. You know, this is, growth can be fun. Well, I, my college student at, uh, sent this hack to me and I've been using it. It's awesome. 
it, you'd have to Google it to know how to do it. But basically, I've turned my phone to black and white to grayscale. It's a great one. And it's yeah. so repulsive when I pick it up that it's in this immediate reminder that I don't really want to be spending time on my phone. And then every time I, a photo comes across that I actually want to see in color, I just do three clicks and I can turn it back on. Three clicks, I can turn it back off. It's really easy. So there are tons right. of hacks out there. Um, but I like just what you you've talked about is like pick one thing that you're going to practice for a week and then just give it a try and then what will happen is you'll get to taste and experience the goodness of not being distracted and putting your distraction in this acute place of a time and a space in your day great well hopefully these thoughts are helpful to people though certainly uh they've they've been necessary for me to not be a nine or 10 on the scale like we talked about. So hopefully these are helpful. Put it into practice. We'd love to hear your thoughts if you want to send any comments by way of uh, the podcast platform that you're listening on. And uh, thanks and thanks for being part of this. I like how you said and not an eight because that would have been what I'm doing. So. <laughs> <laughs>